Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com IMTB and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash IMTB. Honestly, they're not that bad. Welcome to an episode of It's Not That Bad Podcast. I am Fern here with Dom. Hey, everybody. So obviously, we've been stuck in quarantine for X amount of time. It's kind of, it's weird, but I feel like it's been going by faster than usual. I mean, okay, let me phrase this real quick. I go out because I have to. Yeah. (laughs) I don't go out because I'm like, oh, I'm young and I'm not going to get sick. And I'm like, hey, why am I getting coronavirus? It's like, because you fucking flock to a place full of people and you won't stop hanging out there, you fucking idiots. Yeah, but I thought only old people died of coronavirus. Which is so dumb because I I was talking to Raleigh about that and, you know, he's very like, I don't get how people are so stupid. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's not because those people are like, well, it hasn't affected me, so I'm good. Yeah. But it's like, shouldn't that be your biggest fear that it does affect you? It's like, come on, guys. Just fucking stay in. But I mean we're trying to we're not gonna try to talk that no, no, about no, that no, too no, much. No, no, no. But I just wanna say, you know, being stuck in here, you know, don't really have to go out as often. Um at, I think I told you prior to like sometimes I'll just give something a watch. I'll just do this, I'll just do that. I, yeah. I told you I saw some some sci fi movie because I'm like, hey, that's a sci fi movie. And the <laughs> and the CG's not that bad. Okay. And then you ask me, is it good? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> I watched it. It was a movie. It was definitely a movie. That, um, that one guy was in there. Yeah. It was a sci it was definitely sci-fi. Yeah, I can tell you that. No, but <laughs> but then like you know, uh a lot of people are like super into, well, now I gotta watch everything, uh like virus related, like oh, do you guys remember Contagion? That's oh, a really good movie. Oh yeah, the movie that came out a while ago that I saw. I'm pretty sure you saw when it came out, and we were both like, "Oh hey, this is right. a pretty good movie." Yeah. All right. Okay. And now everyone's like, "Oh my god, have you guys?" <sighs> my my little sister literally literally calls it the coronavirus movie. It's like, where were you guys back then when it came out? Wash. Well, Probably was still like well, not not her. <laughs> no, anyways, but <laughs> but everyone's watching everything, like, yeah, whatever related. So I'm like, well, what can I do to get away from that? So I'm like, oh, I know the dark side of the ring, the documentary series talking about all the fucked up shit that happened in wrestling, and uh, the, as you know, the new season came on, but I went back and I because I I remember it when it came out, but I just. It was one like Vice is one of those things where I like a lot of stuff Vice does, mm-hmm. but I don't really always see eye to eye with Vice. Exactly, so. yeah, because they they did something one time where I was like, yeah, see, I agree with your premise, but the way you're confrontational about it is like, calm down. Yeah, so I have like a love hate relationship yeah. with a lot of stuff Vice does. So 
you know, I'm usually late to the game most of the time. But I went and I, you know, downloaded all the, the things on cable and I started watching them. And, and, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to talk about this or this. And it did. Like it talked about the Montreal uh, screw job, which yeah. is a huge thing in, you know, wrestling. Mm. But then it seems like most everything else was like, yeah, so this guy got murdered. Uh, so this guy got murdered. Uh, so this guy got murdered. And uh, this guy got murdered. Oh, and then remember this girl who some say prostituted her wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. But remember, this guy got murdered. <laughs> and so I was, I was like, God, there's a lot of people in wrestling who get murdered under mysterious circumstances. It's crazy. And then he was talking about um Macho Man. They they had a thing on they had a thing on him. And he was talking about Jake the Snake Roberts was talking about how when he did the thing with biting him. That he came in prior to, and he was like, "You got to tell me if that snake is fixed." And he's like, "Yeah, it's fixed. Like, why wouldn't it be?" And he's like, "Well, okay, we'll let it bite you." And he's like, "I'm not gonna fucking let it bite me." He's like, "No, you you gotta <laughs> let it bite you, or that means it's not fixed. You're trying to get me." And he's like, "What the fuck?" So he said, finally, he put down his boot and he let the snake bite him and stuff like that, and took it off. And he was like, "No, don't you go get help. You gotta sit here for twenty minutes, so I know you're telling the truth." He's like, "What the yeah, fuck?" Brother. <laughs> so, so he said, "He's like, we literally just sat there till who God knows when." And he was like, "All right, I guess you're telling the truth." <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Uh, it's just it was like super weird, but that's basically all I've been doing, trying to like pass time. Yeah, yeah, and like. <sighs> I'm not necessarily like bored. Mm-mm. Well, I was already starting to like rewatch Lost anyway, so that was how I'm passing my time. But didn't you hear how it doesn't hold up? Oh my god! And it's one of the worst TV shows to ever exist. You you want to know what's funny is that like everything that they say about Lost is like if you just substitute Westworld, it's like I feel like that's the th- that's what's going to happen later. Is people did are they be show like, titties in Lost? Exactly. Because it has a lot of the same things where it's like mystery, mystery, mystery. But I was, or I'm listening to this podcast. The only thing I hate about it is that it was a Game of Thrones podcast before. So they love, they love Game of Thrones. And it's still early in the like lost part that I'm listening to. And they reference that all the time. I'm like, get your Game of Thrones out of my lost. Cause I hate, I hate it. I don't want to, I don't want to hear nothing about Game of Thrones. But what about Game of Thrones in your Westworld? That see, I was okay with that until everyone. The only thing that they were talking about was, did you see the that Game of Thrones in um Westworld? It's like no, it was Westworld and just had a cameo. Well, honestly, I think it's cool because it insinuates right that the Game of Thrones that everyone saw was a storyline oh yeah no no that part's cool i like that i just what i know like, yeah yeah but but how you don't know how many people are like oh that's stupid like no that's not blah blah, blah. <laughs> oh like they're literally upset that yeah. they would even insinuate but what i found hilarious is that george R. R. martin even well, said he wanted, he wanted like yeah. a uh you know a, a tie-in yeah which i was like honestly <laughs> Think about the last season of Westworld, and they go, and they're like, oh, we have to get all of the ex-hosts 
and blah 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 and then they go into like the medieval world or whatever right yeah. or um what was that guy i forgot what he called it he was like the the throne zone that's <laughs> the westworld park or uh whatever park and then but they go and they get like all the the old retired host and then it's like hey that's that john snow guy mm-hmm. and it's like see like i would actually enjoy that as someone who didn't really care for game of thrones the fact that they would want to tie this in and they even hit at uh like jurassic world or, or jurassic park or whatever yeah i like that no yeah see like i like that i don't I, what i don't like is that people they're only talking about westworld because it's like oh because it has game of thrones now. yeah but honestly <laughs> this quarantine thing has been like me more intrigued in tv more than anything because you're right like there's a lot of stuff from like i should watch that like i was about to start chernobyl but then i was like oh, well I let me finish this first and then i'll get to that so I haven't got to it yet. So there's a bunch of shit that I want to catch up on. Um, but it's just like, can we do this for another couple of weeks? Well, actually, maybe not because our president said that we'll be good in, a, in by, like two By Easter, yeah, which so. is April, what, 12th or something? Yeah, so we'll be good, Dom. We'll be yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Either way, remember, stay safe. Mm. Don't go and go to the beaches or try no. to go... Eat dinner in a hundred place. Yeah. People packed, whatever. Just chill. Yeah. And Wash you, your hands and, and chill. It, and if you do have to go out, like to go to the grocery store, don't hoard because they're not going to return anything you hoard. This is the fucking news. The American box office has hit zero for the first time ever in the history of box office, I guess. Which has been like, what, like oh, um, about 100 years? This past weekend marked the first time that there has been no official reporting on the weekend box office numbers since 1994, when the Northridge, uh, California earthquakes in January of that year delayed reporting. But still, that weekend in 1994 saw people around the country going to the movies, but the reporting on the numbers themselves were delayed. This weekend, there were no numbers to report at all. It's not to say that there aren't um, some theaters that didn't stay open over the weekend and still make some money, but none of the major studios in Hollywood reported their official numbers, and Comscore didn't publish a full breakdown of the weekend for the press. So if any box office receipts were printed over the weekend, were likely negligible at best, and officially it's as if the weekend never happened in terms of box office. We may never know what the numbers, if any, happened over this past weekend. According to Box Office Mojo, the final day that box office numbers were reported was Thursday, March 19th, with a total of 143,641 for all 36 feature films in the release um, across the entire country, where just 233 theaters were open for business. Uh, Marks perhaps the lowest single day in modern box office reporting and the lowest single day since October 17th, 2001, one month after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, which um, brought in 150000 Now the previous weekend of March 13th to 15th remains the final domestic box office weekend for 2020, which brought in 49, or $49 million, the lowest weekend since September 15th to 17th in 2000, which brought in $34.7 million 20 years ago. 
the American theater business is very much in wait-and-see mode as it's unclear how long large venues will be closed. Hold on, Dom. Let me write my article real quick. Mm. Um, Will the coronavirus affect uh, movie theaters at all? Oh, my God. That's all I keep seeing. Thank you for bringing that up. I mean, I don't know why you have to keep writing about it. It's like, of course, of course it's going to change things. Like... It's it's changing the way we we do like I'm pretty sure it's changing the way we do a lot of things now. Yeah, it it's like common sense. Of course, this whole thing is gonna affect the movie industry. I mean, we've seen it before. Everything was started closing down when yeah. oh X thing started or stopped production. Oh blah 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 is pushing back the release date or blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then of course, as everything starts to shut down. Why? Why are the movie theaters going to be an exception? They're not. No. Uh, oh, a, a big space where hundreds of people can gather together in a small room. Oh yeah, maybe we should close that. And like I said, I did praise them for trying for yeah. a, a little bit because mm, me too. It, it was like, hey, at least they're saying like this is around six feet plus, where you know this yeah. feels like this is okay, whatever. But when your whole city goes on quarantine or your state, or yeah. hopefully the country goes on quarantine. <laughs> uh, That's going too far. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My bad. Uh, of course that shit's going to be closed. And I mean, like, yeah, it is upsetting to hear because as as two people who are avid, not only avid moviegoers, but like lovers of film, and just the whole, like, experience of going to the movies. Yeah. Of course it sucks, you know. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be nice to say, like, Hey, let's go see this. Hey, let's go see that. But we understand why we can't. And we're not and we know this isn't gonna be permanent. No. This might hurt certain businesses for yeah. a while. We don't know if any of these movie companies are gonna be like, Well, you know what? We tried, but I'd rather save my billions of dollars yeah. as opposed to keep my company going. Which is stupid. So we don't know. Yes, that's true. But movie theaters aren't gonna go away forever. No. Maybe some might close I, and never open. I, I think that's more likely where yeah. it's like you'll probably see like probably like a Cinemark might close. Like certain Harkins might close because it's like, well, this this one, it's kind of not worth keeping up because it doesn't make as much money as like um, Tempe Marketplace. I, I bet you they're all going to gauge it by Tempe Marketplace. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we don't know. But it, it's a, it is a possibility. Mo- well, most likely there will be some movie theaters yeah. that just – won't open is and, ever again. And then we're are we going to see more movies instead of coming to theaters, more digital releases? Probably. That's probably what they're going to they're going to probably see that like, hey, we can make just as much profit releasing it digitally as we can in theaters, and we're guaranteed because people can watch it same day. They don't have to worry about going to a theater. Or like one thing that people are saying are coming back or like driving. I don't think that's going to last very long. What's happening right now, of course, all this stuff is going to be affected. Everyone's being affected right yeah. now. And even if you think you're not being affected, probably emotionally they're being affected. Yeah. <laughs> so the, things are changing, yes. Is it going to stay this way forever? Probably not. But, yeah, you're right. Who knows if Disney sees a value and, hey, well, we could just put movies uh to 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 rent for a little bit and then they just go on our app and everyone can buy the app like we don't know exactly how this is gonna be effective 
uh, or how this is going to be affected, but we know it's happening. We just, we know it's not going to be forever. And, and yeah, it sucks. Like I said, it sucks that we have free time technically now, but we just can't go to the movie theaters. I would love to go to movies like yeah. just like all day. But I do feel like a lot of media and columnist writers are mm. just trying to, they don't have anything to write to So they're like, well, let me talk about this for the hundredth time. And it's like, you don't need to. It's no. pretty understandable if, you yeah. know, you have a brain. But I, I do feel like people are are very one-track minded. Mm. And it's hard for them to think about anything else right now except for what's going on in the now. And once everything's cleared up and fixed, things will start getting back to normal. As normal as they could be. Thank God for Star Wars. Um, actress Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka Tano in The Mandalorian Season 2, the first live-action version of this character, and the reintroduction of uh, Ahsoka into um, the Clone Wars series, there's been a big question circulating in the Star Wars fandom about whether or not Ahsoka Tano could get her own Disney Plus series. In all honesty, it seems like Star Wars would be missing a major opportunity not to do an Ahsoka Tano series. Her character is more popular than ever, not to mention she's one of only two major female Jedi-esque characters in the franchise at the moment, the other one being Daisy Ridley's Rey. Clone Wars covers how Ahsoka served as Anakin's Padawan and had her falling out with the Jedi Order, and soon how she survived Order 66. In Rebels, we found a much older Ahsoka, now serving in the early Rebellion, uh, Rebels left things in a very ambiguous place as Ahsoka seemed to join Mandalorian leader and Rebel specialist Sabine Wren in the campaign to find their missing friend Jedi Padawan Ezra Bridger. However, the Mandalorian season one ended with the reveal that Mandalore's dark saber of leadership ended up in the possession of Imperial officer Moff Gideon. So this season will either flesh out the whole story or possibly could set up for like her own spinoff um this just goes to show what we've all what we've always said about star wars it's moved on beyond the original trilogy and to see it like a well of character get an expanded story is what i think most everyone wants P fans have been wanting um rosario dawson to play this character for a while and we're finally like we're we're living in a time where fans can be like hey i want that person to play it it's like you want you want them to play it? Oh, you got it. And honestly, I, I I'm excited to see this because I want to like I really want to know too. Like, yeah, like you want to know like how did she survive like the or the Order sixty six? Like what happened that Mandalore Mandalore like fell right? Like how did he get the dark saber? Like what happened? Like all this stuff isn't hasn't been explained like that you can explain in not only this next season but in like a character like the her own like like story. Well. From what we know, she was a part of kind of like this main timeline until a little bit after the fall of the Empire. Because yeah. the way that uh, Rebels ends, it's her and um, Sabine, and they go look for Ezra. And that was a little bit after, like, technically the last movie. Mm. So... From there to who knows when, whatever, right? I think we're going to see more of, like, what's setting up for that, I guess, right? Yeah. See, that's what I, that's what I love about 
Star Wars is that it's ever expanding. Like, yeah, we may we may get an answer. It may be an answer we don't like, but we'll get an answer. Um, or maybe we'll see a character like Sabine, right? Maybe she might pop up. And I think we had this conversation before about moving around the timeline uh, being fine, which we're totally okay with. But I feel like still revolving around this like main timeline isn't bad. It's just I would also like to see other things. Mm-hmm. Like it would be cool if she does this and who knows what happens. But let's say we put all this stuff to rest and then 10, 15, 20 years later, she's back as Ahsoka and she's playing the older version of her like right before uh, the this last trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. So you see like, oh, what did happen? Because that's the that's really the time frame that we don't really have anything about. Mm-mm. I mean, we have some books about, I guess, what happened between those. Yeah. What was it? 20, 30 years? 30. 30 years. Um, but the most like prequel thing we got is Star Wars Resistance, mm-hmm. which is literally uh, right before the movies. <laughs> so there's there's a whole thing that we don't know about. Would I like to see it right now? Yeah. But... I could also wait 10, 15, who knows how many years, see that later and be like, oh, that's why I remember I loved all this stuff. Yeah. As opposed to, well, um, actually, it's not as good as the original. (laughs) So, obviously, this is cool. Anything Mandalorian news is going to be cool. Oh, yeah. Really, anything Star Wars related is cool. It's just, it's, it's frustrating when we hear this shit because... Not because of what they're doing, because we know the backlash of, well, technically, Rosario Dawson would actually be a little bit too old to play Ahsoka from this time frame. And I just think that blah, 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 I'm stupid and I hate Star Wars. And that's the that's the frustration we get with this stuff. And I know you, you're saying, well, just don't think about it. But it's hard because that's all we've gotten Side by side with everything, everything that comes out. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. As soon as we hear praise, we hear the negative. It's right there. Even when we're not looking for it, nope. We'll just it'll pop up. Like pops up. Here's why Ahsoka being in the Mandalorian is the worst thing Star Wars could do. Mm -hmm. But it is cool, and I'm stoked no matter what. And it would be cool to see other characters. From this, you know, time frame come back. And it would be cool if, like you said, like, what if they finish with her for the Mandalorian and then they tease, like, 20 years later. Yeah. And it's like, fuck yeah. This is what I want in Star Wars. I want more expansion, more characters being brought in, like, tying back to things, like, awesome. Like, I just want to see, like, more of this universe. And I don't care what it is. Like... I don't care that it's solo and it's not. Who cares if it's not Harrison Ford? I don't care. I don't give a shit. And it doesn't matter what it is. I just I love the universe so much that no matter what what they give me, I'm I'm happy with. It. Good for her. Good for them. Yeah. Do you say that they had to do a blood test to see if her head matched the body? 
just calling to see where you and Mom are, if you're coming. Worst case, they come on Friday and everyone goes home and has a really nice break. After all, we can't let you live here. You know about the sisters, don't you? They worship the devil. Is there something wrong? Why are you doing this? Do you believe in God, Joan? Ever tried to look for him? I look for him in the unlikely things that happen. Little coincidences. a little. Funny. No. Why? I mean, I just wish you could stay and see my performance. That's all. The Black Coat's Daughter is a 2015 psychological horror film written and directed by Osgood Perkins. The plot is split into three timelines. The first two, Rose and Joan, intercut between each other throughout the bulk of the film before a third timeline, Cat, is introduced and comprises the film's climax. Students at the prestigious Catholic Bramford Academy in upstate New York are preparing to be picked up by their parents for a week-long break. Cat, played by Kiernan Shipka, a freshman, and Rose, played by Lucy Boynton, an older student, are left behind when neither of their parents arrive. Rose suspects she may be pregnant, so she deliberately lied to her parents about the vacation dates to bide time. Kat, meanwhile, has a premonitory dream of her parents dying in a car crash and is unable to get a hold of them for an, an explanation of their tardiness. The two girls are left alone together in the academy overnight, and the nuns task Rose with looking after Kat. Rose, however, departs with her boyfriend to inform him of the possible pregnancy. During this time, while Kat is left entirely alone in the building, the phone rings and she responds. Hours later, Rose returns and finds Kat in the boiler room, repeatedly prostrating her herself before the boiler. Rose brings Kat back to her dorm and presses for an explanation of her strange behavior. The cat speaks cryptically and claims her parents are dead, offering no further explanation and disturbing Rose. After Rose leaves, Cat's body starts convulsing and contorting in her bed. The next morning, Rose and an increasingly sickly-looking Cat join the nuns for breakfast, where Cat behaves erratically, vomits, and curses at the nuns. After receiving an alarming phone call, the nuns order Rose to shovel the driveway for the abrupt return of the headmaster Gordon. After shoveling, Rose finds the door to the nun's cabin locked, with no response from within, and returns to the dorm building. Later, Gordon arrives with the policemen. As they enter the nun's cabin, a blood stain is seen on the wall. 
and the men react with shock to something off screen. A young woman going by Joan, played by Emma Roberts, arrives at a bus stop after escaping a mental institution. A friendly older man named Bill offers Joan a ride with himself and his wife Linda to Bramford, which is near the town where she claims to be headed. As they stop at a motel, Joan showers, revealing a scar on her shoulder and a flashback showing her being shot by a policeman. Bill speaks to Joan over dinner at a nearby restaurant, explaining that he picked her up because she reminded him of his deceased daughter, revealed in a photograph to be Rose. The next day will be the nine-year anniversary of Rose's death, on which her parents visit Bramford every year. Joan recognizes Rose and retreats to the restaurant bathroom where she suppresses a fit of laughter. Another flashback reveals Joan is a fake name, having murdered a young woman by that name and stolen her identity. Bill, Linda, and Joan depart for Branford. During the days leading up to the winter break, Kat is shown to be in contact with an entity depicted alternately as a looming horned shadow and a deep gravelly voice on the phone outside her dormitory. This entity informs her of her parents' impending death and instructs her to kill everyone. After breakfast, the nuns receive a phone call informing them that Kat's parents have died. They dismiss Rose to shovel the driveway, after which Cat murders both nuns. Cat pursues an oblivious Rose into the academy building, shortly after Rose has her period, confirming she's not pregnant. Cat stabs her to death and beheads her. As Gordon and the policemen search the building, they find Cat prostrating in front of the boiler again, with the decapitated heads of her three victims lined up next to her. Brandishing the knife, Cat explains, Hail Satan before the policeman shoots her in the shoulder, revealing that Joan is Kat. Kat is detained in a mental hospital where a priest arrives and performs an exorcism to banish her demon. The exorcism is seemingly successful, but Kat begs the horn figure not to leave her before it vanishes. Joan, the cat of nine years later, murders Bill and Linda when they pull over in Bramford. She beheads their corpses, coats her face with their blood-like makeup, and brings the heads to the boiler room of the academy, seemingly in an effort to summon the demon she lost years ago. However, she finds the boiler cold and unused. Now completely alone, Cat leaves the academy and breaks down crying in the middle of the road. The Black Colt's Daughter. A movie of white people mm-hmm. doing white people stuff. Yes. What'd you think about it, Dom? Um honestly when I well, I, I had this in my list for a long time. Because I wanted to see it when it came out. The first thing I noticed when this it came on was the direct TV thing. I was like, Oh yeah, it was like a direct TV thing, wasn't it? Like a movie that they put like they produced. At first, I was like, oh, what is this going to be? Is it going to be some period piece where that that's why it's the black... Oh, the black coat's daughter. That's what I thought at first. And then as it started going, I was like, what? What, what is what is it? What's going on? And like, it's like switching things up. And I was like, well, we're, we're, I know Emma Roberts is in this. Where the hell is she? And then it like, what, like half an hour in? It's like, then she shows up and you're like, oh, okay. So who is she? And then like, it starts going and going and you're like... Now I'm very intrigued. I want to know what's going on. It It's this great, like, revelation of, like, oh, shit, she's, like, possessed by a demon. 
And this is just her slow descent into that. And then when you get the reveal that Emma Roberts is actually just an older version of Kieran Shipka, which I, as we got into it, I was like, okay, I think I can, I think I buy it. I think I buy it. And then we get to see, like, she was in a mental institution. She was exercised. And then, like, what are the chances of her meeting, like, the girl's parents, too, and the anniversary thing, and just all these things lining up, and then you get to the end, and you're like, damn, that was actually a pretty good fucking movie. Yeah. Like, it it wasn't, like, scary, but I love, like... The tone was the same throughout. Yes. It had this, like, sense of dread throughout the whole yeah, film. Yeah, because literally in the beginning, you're thinking... What what's wrong here? Because it feels yeah. almost like a fever dream. Yeah. These two girls just happen to be left alone in this place. It's like that doesn't happen. Well, even Does like it? the even like the priests and the nuns are acting kind of weird at first, and you're like, so wait, because like normally in a movie, you're you're trained to be like, oh, it's it's them. The people in charge are usually the ones who are like in a cult or something, and and like she even tells that one story about the nuns who were worshiping Satan and then they got killed or whatever. And so you're thinking like, Oh shit. Is it, ha- it has to do with them. Right? Nope. Turns out Kieran Shifka is just like, she's just very impressionable by the devil. It turns out, I mean, in this and Sabrina, like I, I think her, I think that's, is she a Satanist in real life? I think so. Oh, okay. Makes sense. But one thing I thought was like, like a no holds like the shot of her coming up to Rose and just like murdering her. I was like, that just felt so re- like real. Like it just was like, cause it wasn't like a, Oh, look at all the blood splattering and like, Oh, she's like chopping off her limbs or anything. It was like, no, it was like stab, 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 stab. And it's like stabs, continual stabs that. And you're like, cause I'm re-listening to last podcast. Um, and it's the, uh, Manson murders. I'm like, shit, like, they stabbed them, like, a lot. lot. And it's like, that's what happens in this. It's like, she just just continues to stab her, and it's like, damn. Like, that, even more than seeing, like, the the nurse, like, the nurses, the nuns, like, getting killed, like, that one was more, like, visceral, I guess, like, more real. Because it's just, like, in real life, like, if someone just comes up and stabs you, it's it's not going to be blood splattering everywhere. It's like, stab, 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 stab. When I first saw it, the first thing I thought was like, this is a really good movie. How come I never heard about this? <laughs> I I might have seen it in passing with the whole DirecTV thingy, but I don't remember this at all. The only reason why I found it was because it came up on Netflix, and I was like, oh, hey, it's two of those people that I know. Why not? Yeah. And when I saw it, I I was more shocked that it was actually good than it was just watchable. Because I thought, honestly, I thought going into it, I, I was just going to be one of those horror movies you see where it's like, oh, yeah, it was okay. Like, you know, it's whatever. It's exactly what you thought you were going to get type of type of yeah. movies. But I don't know. It just, to me, it just felt more like this is someone trying to make a horror film. <clears throat> Even if it isn't the scariest movie that I've ever seen, it's still a horror movie. Yeah. And that comes off really well with this. Like I said... Because the tone of the movie stays throughout. It's not like Insidious where it's trying to be creepy, creepy. And then it's like, oh, and the further. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now you're trying to make me laugh? <laughs> no, it's not supposed to make you laugh. 
it's making me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like it's trying to do two things. It's just telling the story. And you're right. You're watching it and you're like, all right, what's going to happen? Something's going to happen. What's going to happen? Why is nothing happening? But then next thing you know it, you're like intrigued about, hey, what is going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it's like, bam. And then you're like, oh, okay. And I, I honestly, I like the idea that you're watching the pre-timeline. Yeah. And then what's happening now. Because you're, you're right. You're thinking they're two characters. How are who, oh, their sisters? Oh, maybe they murdered their parents. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, like, you're trying to figure out, well, what are these two? Like, what are the, who are these people? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And then it start. You're like, oh. Well, because like at first when you, you before you find out who anyone like is really, when she gets picked up and like you see the bumper sticker of the Bramford Academy, you're like. Oh, so are these Kieran and Shipko's parents, and they're that's oh, okay. Like, or and or I did think maybe they were roses, but I was like, oh, it makes more sense that it would be theirs, right? But then when we find out, especially when he, he shows the picture, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, god, this I don't know. This movie it's so atmospheric, it starts off with like this kind of dream sequence, too, of like she knows her parents are dead way before like everyone else knows and then the demon attaching itself to her and then even like the stuff with like 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 it's just it's such a it's such a good like like if like uh it kind of feels like um like house of the devil where it's kind of like that slow burn it's just a good horror film yeah i would put it on like during halloween because like in the earlier part of halloween not when you're like wanting like all the gore and like saw and texas chainsaw this is more of like like oh yeah like it's a it's a like clo- like clove hitch killer that one was a it's a slow burn of a movie too but it's so good when you get to the end and you realize oh shit like all this stuff just like clicks together and you're like that was a good movie yeah like i'm not saying it's the most terrific no. horror film never exists but the fact that it's as good as it is mm-hmm. And I've never heard anyone talk about it. No. It's shocking because this is, you're right, this is a horror film that I've already told people about. I'm like, hey, if you like horror films, watch this movie. It's a legit good movie. Yeah. I told you, I was like, yeah, like you have to watch. Even before we were in the review, I was like, you should watch it. It's actually a really good watch. And if you're really into, like, yeah, as, as, as mad, you're in a good asthmatic horror films. If you're into like atmospheric horror films, then this is it. Because when I think about this movie, I th- all I think about are like darks and grays, mm-hmm. and then just like uh, like a feeling of like dread. You yeah, know what I mean? Even if what? it's not, even if it's not necessarily like the whole film, it just it's all you know. Oh, you're always in the down and dumps. It just gives that feel. Yeah. For literally the whole movie. So if you're into that, you know. Especially in these times, right? Where you need a, a pick-me-up. You can at least say, hey, at least the devil didn't get inside of me. Yeah, at least I'm not... At least my only friend isn't the devil and he's leaving me again. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully that's a little pick-me-up for you. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, this is definitely a must-watch for me. This is... If you have time, which I'm assuming you probably do, go ahead, stream it. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah. 
It's on Netflix. Amazing for what it is. I promise you, if you're a legit horror fan, yeah, you'll not not just well. There wasn't a lot of blood and guts, and nothing like jumped out to me all like every fifteen seconds. That's yeah, that that's not what. Yeah, this is not what that is. But if you're into like good horror films, mm. you're gonna like it. I promise. Yeah, and you could count on that. Yeah, Men's Warehouse. I mean, it's not that bad. <laughs> All right, so we need to lighten up the mood, right? I mean, after the coronavirus and the devil possession, we need something a little bit lighter. So we're going to talk about some movies that you might not know were based on books. Die Hard. So the book was called uh, Nothing Lasts Forever. Author Roderick Thorpe wrote Nothing Lasts Forever after watching The Towering Inferno, which featured a skyscraper that catches on fire. Thorpe envisioned a group of terrorists with guns chasing his character, Joe Leland, a retired NYPD detective, through the skyscraper's fiery ash. Nothing lasts forever. was later adapted to Die Hard, with the main character's name changing from Joe Leland to John McClane. The, the reason for that, though, is because back in the 60s, they adapted one of his earlier novels, which features the character Joe Leland, but it was played by Frank Sinatra. And I, th- I, I guess that this one's like a, like it's like a continue, like it actually continues yeah, from that. Yeah. The Parent Trap. Did you know The Parent Trap was based on a book? The book is called Lottie and Lisa. Disney's original Parent Trap starring Haley Mills was based on a German novel titled Lottie and Lisa. Oh, God. Das Doppler Lutchen. <laughs> Something German. From uh, from author Eric Kutzner. The novel, first published in 1949, was turned to various film and TV adaptions from nine countries, including the United States, Germany, India, Japan, and Iran. I kind of want to watch the Indian version. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? The book is um, Who Censored Robert, Roger Rabbit? I think most people know this. But uh, the Walt Disney Company acquired the rights to Gary K. Wolf's 1981 book, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Frank Marshall, Kathleen Kennedy, and Steven Spielberg developed the project and convinced rival studios to loan Disney their iconic cartoon characters, such as Warner Rose's Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. The novel was presented as a hard-boiled spoof that took place during modern times and featured the death of Roger Rabbit, a cartoon character on the downswing of his career, while Who Framed Roger Rabbit? was a family-friendly and lighter in tone. I actually have Who Censored Roger Rabbit. I've gotten, like, maybe halfway through, and I, it was kind of boring. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a, the concept is, like, pretty good. Yeah. But, like, the way that it was is, like, the tunes aren't, like, cart, like, on, t- like, movies and stuff. They're, like, in comic strips. But this was set in the 80s, so I was, like, I don't, I don't understand why they're in comic strips because even at that time, I don't think comic strips were like a popular thing. I don't know. It just, it was like meh to me. And then, yeah, like Roger Rabbit gets killed off like at the beginning, but like he's alive because tunes can do this thing where they create like a double of themselves. And then like they speak in like word bubbles. Yeah. And so they find the word bubbles that like, I don't know. It's this whole thing. And it's like, 
the movie's actually like it's it's honestly like somebody took the the story and was like how, how can we, we make it interesting <laughs> yeah how can we make it good <laughs> <laughs> and they they did honestly they really did <clears throat> mean girls in case you didn't know, it was based off of queen bees and wannabes. Helping your daughter survive cliches, gossip, boyfriends, and other realities of adolescence. I didn't know that that was the whole fucking time. I, I knew it was queen bees and wannabes, but I didn't know it was all that. <clears throat> In 2004, Tina Fey called upon Saturday Night Live creator Lauren Michaels to produce a film version of Rosalind Wiseman's book, Queen Bees and Wannabes. And Michaels got in touch with Paramount Pictures, to acquire the film rights. Although Queen Bees and Wannabes is nonfiction, Faye incorporated elements of her own high school experiences into the screenplay. Oh, because she was from Africa, right? Yeah. And she, but she spoke perfect English. Yeah. Even though she grew up in Africa her whole yeah. life. And you get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And she had to deal with the plastics. Oh. She also didn't lose her virginity until she was like almost 30 or something, right? Oh, really? And she's old. She's oh. older. Mrs. Doubtfire. This is this is the one that I was like, what? Um, alias or uh, the book is alias Madame Doubtfire. The 1993 hit comedy Mrs. Doubtfire is based on a British author and finds young adult novel titled Alias Madame Doubtfire. The movie and the book share very similar plots. Both feature a man who, after a messy divorce that limits his time with his family, dresses like a woman to take a job as his kid's nanny. Did you see the newer version? Like no. the pictures and stuff? Oh, yes. You you, you sent it to me because the, the one kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looks like it's going to be a mess. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it is. Slumdog Millionaire. Um, the book is Q&A. The Academy Award winning Slumdog Millionaire was based on Indian author. It's pronounced QAnon. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Indian author Vikas Scott God, why why do why do why foreign why foreign names Vikas Swarup's Q&A which was first published in 2005 the novel followed a young orphan who became a very successful game show winner only to be sent to jail under accusation of cheating after all this time, when I first saw Slumdog, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. It probably shouldn't have won because I think Benjamin Button was a little bit better. But in the time after, I was like, oh, Slumdog's a terrible movie. But more recently, I've been like, you know what? Slumdog actually was a pretty good movie. So why did you flip this? I don't know. I, that, that happened with Superbad, where if there was a time where I was like, this is this movie is overrated and dumb. Then I remember I, wa- I watched it not too long ago, I think like a year or two ago. I was like, you know what? This movie's actually pretty funny. What would be your favorite book-to-movie adaptation that you Ooh. can think of? I, I'm not going to give a, a, a main favorite. I'm just going to give, a, I'm going to rattle off a couple that are pretty good. Okay. The Hunger Games Catching Fire. They did a pretty good job with, with that one. The second movie. That one's pretty good. I don't like the way that they split the third book, like yeah. Harry Potter. Um, it It is a, good, a great adaption of like the book. I don't want to keep going into how it fixes things. Um... It's a short story, but I'll count it. The Mist. The Mist is a pretty good one. 
that they take that like that short of a story and they make it into like this. Oh, that that movie's so good. Murder on the Orient Express. They um both versions, the original version and Kenneth Branagh's new new one. That was a pretty good one. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job with that. Oh, and I know, No Country for Old Men. That's a fucking good. Like they they did a the Coen Brothers did a, did a great job of adapting it. Like it's straight like straight up like they took the story and they made it into a movie. There's like one or two characters maybe that they left out, but like it's enough to be like not it's not enough to be like it derails anything. It's like okay, you you did a pretty good job there. Now, if you want to talk about movies that didn't do a good job, um, unfortunately, The Dark Tower did a terrible job at um, doing any kind of like adapting. Uh, what or um, a book that I want to see adapted is The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter. I think I told you about that one before. Um, like it's a bunch, it's a bunch of different characters. It's like an ensemble book, um, but it's set in like the. 30s or 40s it's like a boarding house like there's a the the main character he's like deaf and mute and he listens to all these people's problems and he tries to help them with their problems by like getting them together and like being like hey look at you guys have like similar problems like you guys wouldn't be lonely if you guys talk to each other none of them want to talk to each other because what they really want is just someone to just be there as a bounce board to tell their problems to. And yet he like has his own problems and he can't even tell people like his problems. It's a good, it's a really good book. It's like one of my favorite books. I mean, it's funny that you brought this up because I feel like not that long ago we were talking about how I think it was like Hollywood and adaptations and them running out of ideas that's mm-hmm. why they're like oh here's a fourth part of this movie that we yeah, shouldn't have made hey wait so like the fast and the furious still makes money so let's give them for nine um do you think then that we are in an age right now where we're more more likely gonna see less adaptations of x book or x whatever Mm, yes barring i think new releases or like them just going back and like trying to like well what can we do next because but see the thing is like people always talk about how like hollywood ran out of ideas they don't they just keep adapting like they keep remaking things it's like but before that like they literally just adapted books that's all they did and so like they they weren't their original like even like planet of the apes was a book so you can't even like you can't even say like that that was its own like yeah like the the sequels were written like by by other people but like the original concept was not like somebody didn't just like well somebody came up for a story for it yeah. and then which the story is completely different than what we what we see well the reason why I say that is because you're you're right that people complain about this shit all the time but the thing is even with some of this shit being remade over and over and over again, like we said, people still draw back to like original concepts. I mean, yeah. we've been seeing it this year with uh, with H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. It feels like even though a lot of his shit's been done over again, I mean, I think I told you that there was like a, a cartoon kids movie 
about H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, obviously stuff like his and, and other writers have been done over and over and over again. I mean, yeah. we saw it with um, Little Women. But, but see, then people can still go back to that original book or idea and then take from that and then make something all new. I mean... Even though it is somewhat similar. Look at... Or even, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it... Especially like Shakespeare, they constantly do that. Where like um, they'll take um, Taming of the Shrew and they'll just make ten things I hate about you, which everyone loves. So it's like, or um, was it twelve? Shakespeare in love? No, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Twelfth Night. That that's what she's the man is based off of. I don't remember. Um, but see, like they or like Emma, they. Translated and they made Clueless, and now we have a new adaption of Emma, which just came out. Right. So it's like, what's the di- right? It's like it's kind of like what's the difference? Yeah. I think I think it's because media like television and moving pictures and stuff that it is way more accessible to people, so they can go back easily and say, well. Power Rangers were my childhood, so like I know what's good. But then you could go back and say, okay, but about what about all those people in Japan yeah. that have been doing this for twenty years before Power Rangers came to America? Yeah, shouldn't they have a say? Oh, know. that doesn't matter to you now. Oh, and then the fact that they cut together like what was it like two or three different series to make like, and then they just added an American people later. Yeah, so. It, I feel like that's the same thing with like movies and stuff where people will look back at Star Wars and say, this is why it's the greatest. But then you could go back and um, Flash Gordon. Yeah. You go back and say like, well, he went and he wanted to rip this off. He did it because he could like Willow too. Like literally George Lucas's whole career is based off of, he couldn't make, he couldn't get the, the rights to do something. So he just decided to rip it off. Willow was because, he couldn't get the rights to Lord of the Rings, so he's like, "Well, how do I make a story about like a short person going on an adventure with a bunch of tall people and and wizards and stuff, and they got a battle dragon and things?" Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do what I did with Star Wars. I'll just rip it off. I'll just rip it off. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's why it's more polarizing than a book, right? Mm-hmm. A book seems so plain Jane. Yeah, but when you have something. Like like Lord of the Rings, right? Where we have this amazing film adaptation in the early 2000s where, let's say now, you know, they're going to make a TV show, allegedly. They're going to make a TV allegedly. show. And who knows? Like, I already can hear a thousand voices say, well, oh, it's not that good. Like, oh, see what they did to this and blah, blah, blah. And you know people are going to talk about how the – the original uh, movie adaptation is going to be Which, better. Which, if you read the books, you, you honestly, you probably don't like the movies because, like, if you had the books to read for so long, like the movies did, like a disservice to like the Hobbits characters. Like they cut out a lot of their stuff, uh, especially at the end. The end is really wrapped up, really like fast. So you're saying that the original book they didn't just all. Jump and joy together in slow motion in this room. No, they had to go back and fight um, Sauron because that's where he was. I mean, Saruman and Wormtail because they were actually Wormtail, Wormtongue. God damn it! I'm getting all my stupid like fantasy confused. 
And because they took over the Shire and they had one last battle to fight in the Shire. Huh, weird. But hey, I grew up with those, so I know it's good. I don't know. I mean, it is interesting, though, to hear, right, that like, was it Die Hard you said? Yeah. Like, Die Hard was based off of a, a book that Frank Sinatra technically was yeah. kind of a part of, I guess. Yeah. That te- you could technically watch Die Hard and say, hey, that's supposed to be Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. And people look at you like you're fucking crazy. <laughs> or like um, like the, the idea that Mrs. Doubtfire, this, that's the one that blew my mind. Was like because it seems like a very '90s thing. Right? Yeah, that they would just have been like, <laughs> "See, look, it's wacky old Robin Williams." Uh, see, see, guys, uh, it's me. I'm gay. I'm more fun. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure there's more that we don't even think about. No. Oh yeah, there's there there. Like I mean, even when you think about it, like Total Recall was based off a short story. Blade Runner is based off a tor- a short story. Like anything, basically anything science fiction is based off of Philip K. Dick. Is basically because he just sat there and was like, "Well, the aliens came and told me all this stuff." It's actually a higher being, though. Sorry, I'm sorry. And then that's why he wrote all that stuff. And then he wanted to give it to us as a prophecy, right? And that's why that's why everything you're crazy. Yeah, that's why everything he wrote like is basically coming true. No, but he but he was crazy right <laughs> was he though yeah i'm pretty sure he was yeah and <clears throat> hey maybe there's gonna be a part two of this because like i said there's probably a ton of shit we're not even oh. thinking of <laughs> yeah. like a ton yeah um maybe we'll do one that borrowed from x book or writing or whatever that you know like like you said like 10 things i hate about you how many people know that that was a Shakespearean story? Or, I mean, well, you know, you look at something like The Color Out of Space compared to Annihilation, you can obviously see that they're from the same thing, but Color Out of Space is more, I want to be close to the book. Annihilation's like, we'll do our own thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, one's like, I'm going to give you the original one. The other one's like, how do I spice it up? How do I make it better? <laughs> how do I make it <laughs> But with that, we'll say... Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you guys, everybody. If you would like to subscribe to our podcast on any streaming service that you use, please feel free to. Yeah. I'm not going to force you, but we would love it. Uh, or you could go to YouTube, follow us on there. Our episodes get released every single time. We don't have a back catalog on that. We might work on that, though. But for right now, all new episodes you'll get right there, so... There's a link in the uh, show notes, so you can go there, subscribe, let us know. Or you could go to our show, show that's INTB underscore podcast, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at intbpodcast at gmail.com and let us know, is there a favorite adaptation that you like? Is there something that you mm. thought was the best, yeah. the worst? Yeah, are there more examples of terrible adaptions of books um or maybe have you seen black coat's daughter did you like it did you hate it because oh it's too slow and it's not scary not gory enough yeah or um have you heard of the coronavirus oh yeah it's this new thing that's sweeping the nation (laughs) literally uh yeah just message us about whatever like i said we're always down for conversation no matter what it is we're always down to clown But until next time, remember, guys, 
It's not that bad. It's not that bad.